This is a podcast from Seven Vineyard. Good morning. It's my pleasure to be able to share with you this morning. I wonder how you feel when you are faced with what seems like an insurmountable challenge or issue way beyond your resources, your capacity to resolve, like the ongoing effects of this pandemic, which continues to cause trauma and pain right across the globe, the recent Afghanistan refugee crisis, the destructive impact of climate change and what that means for our future, and more recently, the devastating news of Russia's invasion of Ukraine this week. How does it make you feel when you hear of these things? If you're anything like me, I imagine there are a mixture of emotions. I feel sadness, fear and distress, compassion. I'm moved sometimes to tears, but sometimes I may feel detached, disconnected maybe even overwhelmed, helpless, like I just don't know where to start. Or let me put it another way. Have you ever faced needs in someone else or in yourself that you simply just couldn't fix? Maybe a long-term illness of a loved one, a financial crisis, a marital breakdown of a friend, a relational conflict that goes on and on. We all find ourselves in these situations at times where our hearts are pulled, we feel the pain, we know there needs to be breakthrough, but we just don't know where to begin. Well, the encouraging thing is, I believe Jesus has a lot to say to us, those who feel in that position. Over these last few weeks, we've been continuing the box set, Who is Jesus? journeying through the book of Mark's gospel account. And today we're going to the well-known story where Jesus feeds 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and a couple of fish. And in here, I believe we find a message of hope and encouragement for us. So let's turn to the story in Mark chapter 6, verse 30. Now, there have been attempts by people to reformulate this story into a more palatable form, saying that many members of the crowd produced and shared their lunches, or that Jesus distributed only minute token fragments of food. But clearly, as you'll see, this doesn't do justice to the text. The writers clearly intend us to see this as a miraculous event and one that actually happened. The fact that this miracle is the only miracle apart from the resurrection that appears in all four of the Gospels indicates that it was important to their understanding of Jesus and therefore ours. Now, earlier in the text, Jesus has sent out his 12 disciples on their first training exercise without him in twos to preach the good news, heal people and cast out demons. And we pick up the story on their return. So verse 30, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognised them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. 
By this time, it was late in the afternoon, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. So here we see Jesus performing an incredible miracle. Jesus takes what would have looked like five little pita bread and two small fish and feeds over 5,000 people until everyone had had all they needed and there were leftovers. The number of people only, only refers to men. There would have been women and children there too. Many biblical scholars suggest that there may have been between 15 and 20,000 people in total. You know, I love the interaction between the disciples and Jesus here. You know, not long after the disciples have been on their first mission trip, healing people and casting out demons on the authority of Jesus, the very next challenge they face Instead of being full of faith, seeing an opportunity, they basically say, I'm tired, it's late, send them all home. You know, it's hilarious. Um, possibly a little familiar, I think I might have done that too. But Jesus once again does the unexpected. Continuing, I believe, with the intention to train and equip them, he turns it around and says, you give them something to eat. The disciples were incredulous. That would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? The disciples still can't see outside of their narrow mindset. They just see the problems. But Jesus sees the hope. How many loaves do you have? Go and see. When we are faced with an insurmountable problem, and we are desperate to see breakthrough in our world, in our communities, in the lives of people around us. And all we can see is the problem. Jesus brings the hope. How many loaves do you have? Go and see. Now, I'm not suggesting for one minute that personal or world crises that we face are anything like a large bunch of hungry people. But what is true is that feeding 15 to 20,000 people, or even just 5,000 people on five loaves and two fish is humanly impossible. And there is much to learn from this story of what Jesus can do in our humanly impossible situations. First of all, breakthrough begins in the heart of Jesus. 
So let me give you a bit more context to this miracle. Jesus's cousin John, who was called John the Baptist, has just been murdered by Herod, who was the immoral ruler at the time. And so Jesus would have been grieving the loss of his cousin. He was a young man, 30 years old, in the prime of his life, with a huge ministry, killed by an evil king. Jesus had recently suffered a trauma. He probably appreciated getting away to a quiet place with his disciples on the lake. But look at his reaction to the large crowd that had chased them down and caught them up. It wasn't frustration. It wasn't anger. It was compassion. The sorrow that he had felt over John, the sorrow that he may have felt for himself, was translated into sorrow for the crowds around him. He became a conduit of the kindness of God for his disciples who were tired and for the crowds who had overwhelming needs. The story contains so many allusions to the well-known Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Jesus came to be the shepherd of his people. It was a very intimate, personal metaphor for the care, provision, protection and guidance that Jesus gives to us when we run to him in faith. Psalm 10 verse 17 says, You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. When we stand before a need, before pain, before a situation where we don't even know where to begin, Jesus already knows. He knows the need. He knows the pain. He knows how we feel. And he knows what to do. A breakthrough doesn't begin with us. It begins in the heart of Jesus. Secondly, breakthrough requires our participation. I remember I heard a story that Simon Gillibo told a little while ago. Simon served as a missionary out in Burundi for many years. And he told a story of a young boy, probably 10 years old, who lived on a rubbish dump. That was his home and that is where he would scavenge for anything he could find. And one day an old man came to him and questioned him. He said, how can you believe that God is your father and loves you? Surely if he loved you, he could send someone today to bring you a coat and some shoes. And the boy thought for a moment and replied, I believe he has told someone but I suppose that person forgot. How often do we act like something is God's responsibility when actually God has already given us the tools that are needed? How often do we pray, God, will you do a miracle here in the city? Will you break in from heaven? Will you provide homes for the homeless? Will you provide families with children in care? There are so many people out of work. Will you provide jobs, set people free from addiction and so on? Now, there's nothing wrong with praying. Prayer is powerful and sometimes it is the only tool we have. But that is not always the case. And when we only ever expect God to intervene and don't consider our part, then we're missing something. When the disciples realised that they were about to have a very large hunger crowd on their hands, Jesus didn't say, oh, don't worry, I've got this sorted. You know, I knew this was going to happen. Packed a couple of fish and some bread and I've got this amazing trick. Just you watch, you're going to love it. He could have. 
Jesus could have done it all on his own, but he didn't. He chose to involve the disciples and anyone else who was willing. And Jesus says to us, you go do it and I'll be with you. That was Jesus's commission to the disciples before he ascended into heaven. He said, all authority has been given to me. Now you go, go and make disciples, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. You go, I'll show. Following Jesus is not a spectator sport, it's a participatory sport. In John's account of the story, it was a little boy who stepped forward. The little boy was willing to offer probably all that he had. If he hadn't, he would never have known the pleasure of being part of what God was now about to do. I wonder if there were others in the crowd who were watching what happened and wished, if only I had offered what I had. I could have been part of that amazing miracle. I could have worked with Jesus on that. An opportunity missed. Fortunately, there were always more opportunities to partner with Jesus. And I believe Jesus says the same to us today. How many loaves do you have? What have you got in your hands? What have I given you that you can offer up to me like that little boy? He says, that breakthrough you need, that thing that you are desperately praying for. How many loaves do you have? Go and see. Let's work together on this one. What could you offer up to bring about breakthrough in the situations that you face? Think about your strengths, your passions, your personality, your knowledge and your experiences, both good and bad. God can use them all. What about the blessings in life, your money, your possessions, your time? How about your creativity, your dreams, your ideas? And notice we don't need to have the whole solution sorted. It's just about playing our part like that young boy and trusting Jesus to do the rest. Okay, so breakthrough begins in the heart of Jesus. It requires our participation and breakthrough takes trust. I don't know how you picture the feeding of the 5,000. You know, Jesus takes the five pancakes and two pickled fish, blesses it and suddenly kaboom, there's a humongous mountain of bread and fish and they all scrambled in. I don't think that's the way that it happened. Verse 31, taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he took, gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. He gave the disciples a little piece of bread and a little piece of fish and sent them up the hill and said to the disciples, now go and feed those 400 people over there, Andrew. Philip, you feed those 500 up there. I can just imagine Peter, one of the disciples, looking at the bread and fish and thinking, this is absolutely crazy. Here he's faced with hundreds of hungry people, some he probably knows, and he's there trying to figure it out any which way he looks at it. However, he tears up that bread and fish. This 
it just isn't going to stretch that far. And he's thinking, why does Jesus have me do these crazy things? This is so embarrassing. But he carries on. He gets up the hill. He is obeying God. He starts to tear off a little piece of bread and more bread appears. He tears off another piece and there is more bread again. He starts tearing off more and more pieces and ripping up the fish and they are multiplying in his hands. When we partner with Jesus, we need to trust him. We need to exercise faith. And faith is well known to be spelt R-I-S-K. Time and time again, miracles involve an action on our part. It requires us to trust, to step out, to take a risk. If you hadn't noticed that, I'd encourage you to go back and read the stories in the Old Testament. Read the miracles of Jesus, that Jesus performed and you'll see. Breakthrough takes trust. So often we don't step up and make ourselves available to Jesus because we feel that what we have to offer is insignificant and can't be used. We shrink back and let someone else do it because we think they will do a better job. Imagine how that little boy must have felt. He so easily could have thought, my lunch, my little lunch, it's so ridiculous to even mention. It wouldn't even feed a family, let alone 5,000 people. I'm too embarrassed to even offer this. I'd just keep quiet. My contribution wouldn't make that much difference anyway. How many of us might have been tempted to think like that? I think I would. But Jesus is in the business of multiplication. When we offer our ordinary things, Jesus can create extraordinary things. This is what he does. A while ago, I heard how someone from Seven offered an ordinary thing. She met a gentleman selling the big issue and decided to buy all his magazines to give him the afternoon off. She thought, what can I do? I can do this. That's so cool. I've always been inspired by a young couple called Mark and Megan Walters, who are friends of Seven. They are the founders of a UK registered charity, Hope for Life Katanga which works to enable families living in the urban slum Katanga in Uganda to live self-sufficiently. They provide education for children whose parents cannot afford it and choose between whether to feed their children or send them to school. They provide vocational training for women and parents, including tailoring, hairdressing, secretarial studies, fashion and design and nursery teaching. They provide loans or income generating grants to start up or develop existing businesses. They provide basic health prevention and support to ensure parents and children alike are fit and healthy and can therefore access work and education. Mark and Megan started this 11 years ago as a simple school teaching just 15 children whose parents couldn't afford their education. This all began because two young people were li- with limited life experiences and resources travelling in their gap year were met with an overwhelming need. They felt the compassion, the heart of Jesus. They considered what they had in their hands and they took the step of faith to partner with Jesus and trust him for what would happen next. Let's pray. Let's pray.